0: We probably will get through the whole thing tonight. We might not. It's kind of long. We, we're not going to go through it verse by verse like we typically do for the same reason uh, that we sp- talked about uh, last night. These last few Psalms that we've covered, they're, they're very similar in their language, and so it's, it's kind of redundant for us every week to kind of go back and talk about some of these same things because the language is so similar. So what we'll probably do is we'll just read through big portions of this, maybe a couple of big portions, or maybe all at once, and then uh, just talk about maybe one thing that's a little different from this psalm than maybe some of the last few that we read. Psalm 71. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words, and I pray that we'd get something from them. Dear Lord, I pray that they would be an encouragement to us, and I pray that, God, when we feel like the words of this psalm that we would call out to you and we would find the same hope that the psalmist had, dear Lord, because our hope is in you alone. And so, God, I thank you for the freedom to come here tonight, and I thank you that we get to look at your word, and I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we don't have a superscription in this psalm that tell that, uh, to tell us who the writer is. Uh, it is Uh, presumed by many that David wrote this psalm. However, it's not not really any way for us to know for sure. But uh, I believe it is probably likely that this is a psalm of David. And as I mentioned, some of the language we see here is some of the similar language that we've seen in uh, previous psalms. Psalm 71, verse 1. Lord, I seek refuge in me. Let me never be disgraced and your justice rescue and deliver me. Listen closely to me and save me. Be a rock of refuge for me, where I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. And so here we see the struggle that the psalmist is going through. In difficult times, God, I want you to rescue me. I want you to deliver me. What did we see in Psalm 70 last week? This idea of and come quickly dear lord hurry to my rescue don't delay right we get that in our prayer life and so we see this same idea here that he's asking for deliverance and it says in the last part of verse three there give the command to save me now that's interesting language there i don't know who the lord would be giving uh, this command to or in some of your translations it may be worded a little differently, uh, implying that the command has already been, uh, been given. Uh, perhaps this is reminiscent to the language we see in Psalm 91 about God commanding his angels to come to the aid of, of those who are his. And so maybe that's the idea that's being implied here. Regardless of how the help comes or whether the command has been given or is yet to be given, uh, the point is this. It is God who is the rescuer. By whatever means he chooses to rescue, he rescues. Now sometimes God chooses to answer our prayers and deliver us in miraculous ways. Someone may be sick and they may pray. They may have cancer. And all of a sudden they go to the doctor and the doctor says the cancer has been healed. Well, how did that happen? Well, sometimes God, I believe, just works miraculously and removes sickness from our bodies. Now, that's just one example. Sometimes, however, we pray, God, help me to get better, and God acts through doctors. Now, it's not any less God acting. It is God who is the one who is who is allowing the doctors to have the means and allowing us to be able to get the medicine. And so uh, some would say, well, that's not God at all, but it is God. God is the source of our deliverance, whether he does it naturally or supernaturally. And so the psalmist here recognizes that. In in our time of trouble, it is God who is our deliverer. And he says in verse 4, Deliver me, my, uh, my God, from the power of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and oppressive. For you are my hope, Lord God, my confidence from my youth. I have learned, excuse me, I have leaned on you from birth. You took me from my mother's womb. My praise is always about you. I have become an ominous sign to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is full of praise and honor. To you all day long. Now, in verse seven, there, my translation has the word ominous. He says, "I'm an ominous sign." I don't think that that's probably the most accurate translation of the Hebrew word that was used there. Some of your translations probably have the word wonder. I, that's probably going to be uh, if you don't if if you don't have ominous, you're going to have wonder. You may have the word marvel. Uh, that is, I have become a a wonder, a sign to other people. Now. When we look, think about the word ominous, that usually comes with it, uh, it carries with it some, some, some negativity. Uh, but I don't think that that's, the, that's the, uh, the point the psalmist is trying to get across. That is when they see me, they, they, there's something horrible that they think that I'm a sign of. I think maybe what he's saying here is that people look at me and they are in awe of me. They look at me with wonder. That is, man, look at all that David is going through, but yet somehow he's still praising God. Somehow he's still alive. Somehow he's still going. Somehow his enemies have not overtaken him. How can he do it? And so they look at Jesus and, or excuse they look at David and they say they're, they're in wonder. They're in awe. They marvel at David and his situation and how the Lord has been with him and how he praises the Lord. I think that that... That, that word wonder probably represents maybe more so what the, uh, the, the psalmist was trying to get across to us here. Verse 9. Don't discard me in my old age. As my strength fails, do not abandon me. For my enemies talk about me, and those who spy on me plot together, saying, God has abandoned him, chase him and catch him, for there is no one to rescue him. God, do not be far from me. My God, hurry to help me. May my adversaries be disgraced and destroyed. May those who seek my harm be covered with disgrace and humiliation. But I will hope continually and will praise you more and more. And so here we see the same language. What is it? The enemies are still coming against David. And what did the enemies say about him in verse 11? Verse God has abandoned him, uh, chase him and catch him there's no one to rescue him we've got him down but there's no way that he's going to be able to overcome whatever kind of attacks the enemy was trying to bring on him but perhaps that's why the people were marveling or one wondering at at david because throughout all of this god is still with him and he's still praising god so even though it looks like the enemies are going to overtake him David still continues to cry out to the Lord and so should we in our worst situations when things look look the darkest and it looks like there is no light there is light Jesus Christ he is our hope and so that is where we go to even when things are the most difficult David here continues to pray to the Lord and he continues to say okay God I need you and hurry up please hear my prayer and come to me in verse 15 my mouth will tell about your righteousness and your salvation all day long, though I cannot sum them up. I come because of the mighty acts of the Lord God. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still proclaim your wonderful works. Even when I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me. Then I will proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. Your righteousness reaches heaven, god you have done great things god who is like you you caused me to experience many troubles and misfortunes but you will revive me again you will bring me up again even from the depths of the earth now, that's interesting in verse 20 there that he, he speaks about being brought up again. Obviously, uh, the the writer here expected some kind of deliverance, some kind of afterlife. That is, death would not have the final say. Uh, and so he says that here, God, you, you'll bring me up again. What can God bring us out of and bring us through anything? Even from being in the depths of the earth, even in the grave, God can revive us and bring us up again. And so... We have the same hope that the psalmist had here. Now, the psalmist at this point, this was a long time before Jesus came, and the victory and the deliverance, and, and that we can be resurrected to be with God for all of eternity, that comes through Jesus Christ. It, it is accomplished through him. But even all those years before, David still looked with hope to the day that God would resurrect him from the grave. And so should we in the midst of our struggles and, and circumstances. That even if our hard times end in our death, even if our enemies attack us and we're placed in the grave, if they kill us, God still will revive us. Our enemies will not get the final say, whether it's our enemy in sin or whether it's our physical enemies that may take our life. It is God who will deliver us, sometimes in this world, and sometimes He delivers us by taking us out of this world because He can take us even out of the grave. He can raise us up. Verse 21, You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. Therefore, I will praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing to you with a lyre, holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you because you have redeemed me. Therefore, my tongue will proclaim your righteousness all day long. For those who seek my harm will be disgraced and confounded. Now, we see this idea of David in trouble, seeking out to the Lord, even in the midst of his enemies. Even though his enemies may be gloating, he still continues to seek the Lord. But throughout this psalm, we've seen kind of this theme. On a few different occasions, we've seen something mentioned. The first mention we see of this theme is in uh, verse 5. For you are my hope, Lord God, my confidence from my youth. So David is saying here, look, when I was a child, when I was young, God, I had faith and I had confidence in you. Now we see evidence of this in Scripture. We see David's confidence and trust and hope in the Lord. If you want to turn, you can to 1 Samuel chapter 17 Verses 36 and 37. If you don't want to turn there, that's all right. But if you want to turn there, uh, we see good evidence of this. This is just before uh, David is going to go fight Goliath. Now I don't know exactly how old David was at this time, but David was young. He was he was certainly a young man, probably a teenager at this time, maybe even younger. Uh, but Goliath, uh, this big big huge giant of the Philistines, everybody was afraid. He even Saul, the king of of Israel everybody was afraid but not David and David goes to take his brother's lunch and he hears this Philistine calling out and mocking the Lord and David says what's going on here why isn't anybody standing up going out there and showing this guy hey the God of Israel is tougher than you are we're not gonna stand for this but nobody would do it and David said I'll do it I'll go face the giant I ain't worried about it and why was David not worried about it well we see why in first Samuel 17 36 He tells this to Saul. He says, Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. So even from a very young age here, if we need evidence that if David wrote Psalm 71 and he said, God, I've trusted in you and put my hope in you from my youth, well, this is a pretty good example. David said, when I'm out there tending my sheep, if a lion comes or a bear comes, I kill them. I don't play around with them. And why did he say he was able to do it? He said, because the Lord was with me, because he trusted the Lord. And he didn't, he didn't worry about what was going to happen to him. He said, the Lord's going to be with me through what I go through. And he said... And for the same reason, I'm not worried about this big giant guy. If God can help me to fight a lion and a bear and take care of them, then I can take care of this Philistine. And so we see good evidence in Scripture of David following the Lord from his youth. But what we see in this passage is that this passage seems to be written by someone in their old age. That's the the theme we see, from the youth until when? Until old age, because it says in verse 9... Don't discard me in my old age. as my strength fails, do not abandon me. So this is someone who is trusting in the Lord and has trusted in the Lord for a long time, but they are at a point where their life is probably nearing an end, if not by the enemies that are that are coming against David, just because his years will soon be over. Uh, and what a what a powerful verse because i'm I'm not older, but but I suspect, after, you know, visiting with and talking to a lot of folks throughout the years, and you probably have too, that sometimes as people get older, they kind of feel useless. They don't feel like they're needed. They don't feel like they're loved. They don't feel like they can do anything or contribute anything. But David here says, Don't discard me in my old age. Now some people will say, Well, I'm just ready to go. There's nothing I can do. God just go ahead and take me home. But that's not what David says. He says don't discard me in my old age when my strength fails. He doesn't say, God, my strength has failed, so take me home. He says, no, don't do that. Even though my strength fails, don't abandon me. Stay with me. So he still had a little life left in him, and he was not giving up in the midst of all that was going on. And then as we continue through the psalm, we see this same language again, kind of woven through there in verse 17. God, you have taught me from my youth and I still proclaim your wonderful works. Now, that's pretty good. That's a, that's a lifetime of, of, of David here saying, from the time I was young, I trusted in you. And throughout all of my life, God, throughout this whole span, from youth until old age, I have continued to proclaim your wonderful works. I've continued to, to listen to your word and to praise you. Now, that's not to say that David did not sin along the way. He certainly did, and he sinned greatly, and there were great consequences. And it is very possible that the situation that he is in, whatever situation it is here, is a consequence of that sin that he committed adultery and then had Uriah killed. Uh, that, that led to a lot of problems in David's family uh, that, that lasted for a long time because of that, that sin and because of that bloodshed. And so uh, some have said this, this took place when David's son Absalom was trying to overthrow him from the, from the throne, and maybe this is when David is writing these words, and possibly so. Uh, we can't know for sure. Uh, but regardless of the situation, he continues to praise the Lord. And then he says in verse 18, Even when I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me. That's the same language we just saw earlier in that other words. Don't don't give up on me, Lord. I'm old. My years, there's not many years left ahead of me, but God, do not abandon you. I need you. I need you now like I needed you when I fought the lions and the bears and when I fought the Philistine. I still need you, and that is true for all of us. Uh, It doesn't matter how old or how young we are. We need the Lord to be our strength because even when we're young and we have strength, physical strength, Well, there are still things that we must go through which we need the strength of the Lord. And as we get older and we lose our physical strength, our prayer sometimes may very well be for physical strength. God, I need the strength to do this. I need the strength to do that. God, I need the strength to get out of my chair. I mean, as we get older and our bodies begin to fail, we need more physical strength. Now, we need need spiritual strength and emotional strength as well, Uh, but we need physical strength too. And... David says, okay, God, don't abandon me, but give me all the strength that I need. And he says, uh, even when I am old and gray, uh, God, do not abandon me. Then I will proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. Now, that's good. What did David say he was going to do in his old age? He's going to pass some wisdom down to the next generation. And that is so crucial for us to remember. Those of you who have lived for many years, you have got wisdom that I do not have. And and how does that wisdom get get into younger generations? Well, some of that wisdom comes from experience. Some of the wisdom that we get, it comes from our experiences and learning things on our own. But some of that wisdom, we 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 can get the fast pass for it. And we can get some of that wisdom from the older folks that are around us that have already lived life that we don't have to go through things the hard way, that we can get on the fast track and and we can get some wisdom from the older folks. And, And for older folks who say, well, I'm getting to the point where there's nothing I can do. Well, if you encounter any young people at any point in time, there is something you can do. You can impart some wisdom. And you say, I ain't got no wisdom to impart. Well, you got something to impart maybe it's some it's some really deep wisdom from the word of God or maybe it's just to teach somebody how to get their lawnmower out the ditch I had some good good some I don't I won't tell you who it was I was don't say old man wisdom but I don't want them to know they're not that old but but they older than me and they had some wisdom and I and I, I got my new lawnmower stuck in the ditch because I was going downhill and it was too steep and I bottomed out and my tires was hanging up there and I was stuck and about the time I got stuck it's this truck come by, and they pulled over. and They said, I saw you down the road. I knew what you did. I've done that. They said, let me show you a trick. And they reached in their truck, and they got a couple of towels, like towels you draw off with. And they said, watch this. They said, it's, it's, it's a work sometimes. They watered them up in a little ball and stuck one kind of up under one tire and one under the other tire. And lo and behold, just a couple of towels with just enough traction, that, bloop, got the lawnmower right out of the ditch. Now, I said, man, now that's that's wisdom right there. That's a good trick. And you may say, that's insignificant. But it's not insignificant because that's the trick that's going to save me a lot of trouble because here's what I had to have done. I'd have had to call somebody or I'd have had to get my truck down there. uh, And, well, I didn't have a trailer hitch. That's why I'd have had to call somebody. I'd have had to get Michelle's car down there. And then I'd have had to hook a chain to it and pull them more. when all I had to do was get a couple of towels and stick them under the tire. And so there's all kind of wisdom. And we say, well, that's insignificant, but it's not. Any kind of little thing we can pass on to the next generation is good for us to pass on. And that's what David says. God, I'm going to pass on wisdom to the next generation. And, man, our generation certainly needs some wisdom. Our generation's now, uh, because the wisdom that many in our generation are getting is really foolishness. Now, the world would call it wisdom, but it's not wisdom. It's, it's, It's foolishness. And so... As Christians, those who stand on the Word of God, we have to fight that and say, no, let me tell you biblical wisdom. Let me pass down to you things that matter. And we also see evidence of that in David's life, toward the end of David's life. If you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 2, and we'll close with this verse here, 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, David will soon die, uh, and his son Solomon will become king in his place. And he gives these words to Solomon in 1 Kings 2. 1 Kings 2, verse 1. As the time approached for David to die, he instructed his son Solomon, As for me, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong and courageous like a man, and keep your obligation to the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes commands, ordinances, and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses, so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn, and so that the Lord and so that the Lord will carry out his promise that he has made to me. If your sons are careful to walk faithfully before me with their whole mind and heart, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. And so what is David doing right before he dies? He's imparting wisdom into Solomon. What does he say? Be obedient to the Lord. Follow the commands of the Lord and God will bless you. If you don't follow the commands of the Lord, things are going to be bad. Well, if you've never read the rest of the story, spoiler alert, Solomon did not listen to the wisdom and advice of his father, much like you and I. We, we probably haven't listened to all the advice of our mothers and fathers. But, but David gives us something good to think about here and to consider One, we need to be praising God from the time we are a youth as long as we've got, no matter how many years we are on this earth. In our troubles, we continue to seek God because He is our hope and He is our deliverer through Jesus Christ and there is no other. And if we get to a point as we get older that we have a little wisdom, we need to impart that wisdom onto a younger generation. And so here's something for you to think about for the next few days. What is some wisdom that you could pass down to someone else? To someone you know, on the, maybe you see them on the street. Maybe it's your own children or grandchildren. What's, what's a lesson that you have learned in life? Maybe it's something in the Bible. Maybe it's something else. But what's a lesson? What's something you can teach? What's something you can pass on to another generation? I want you all to think about that. I want you just to, just to pick out one thing pick out one thing and think, this is what I think is really important. This is something that I have learned. This is something that God has helped me with. This is something that God has showed me. This is something that I consider to be so important that I want to pass this wisdom on to another generation. And when you think about that thing, tell a young person. Tell a young person. Say, hey, let me tell you this. And you can tell them, hey, my preacher said to think of this thing and pass it on to a young person, And I want to pass this on to you. And whatever that thing is, pass it on to somebody. Let them know that that piece of wisdom. Because you never know, that piece of wisdom may go a lot further than you realize. It don't have to be much. You ain't got to work up a book. It could be one little sentence, one wise thing, one thing that you think would be beneficial for somebody else to know. And when you see people that are going off to college, Maybe you send them a graduation card. Write that wisdom in there. You see somebody that's getting married, a couple, give them that wisdom. There are lots of opportunities for us to give that wisdom to somebody. And so if you've got some wisdom that God has given you, obviously the best wisdom we've got is Jesus Christ. That's wisdom. We want to give that wisdom to other people, but maybe there are some other little things that God has taught you through the years, some lessons that you have learned. Let us be faithful to Seek God like David did, and let us be faithful to pass what we've learned on to another generation. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for this good psalm, and I pray that we would listen to these words. God, we certainly have days where we are feeling the same struggle that David felt with enemies coming against us. And God, I pray that on those days we would seek you. We pray that we'd put our hope in you. And I pray, God, that we would call out to you from the time that we are young, put our faith in you as a youth, and continue to seek you throughout our years, and even when we are old and gray, dear Lord, that we keep fighting, dear Lord, that we keep living, that we keep uh, being a light to those we encounter and imparting our wisdom to those we encounter. And God, you'll use us until you take us home, but until then, dear Lord, let us be found faithful to do your work. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.